the ever-present one, he's the sufficient one. In other words, he's saying, you tell him, I am, I'm all you need. I am the one who will be right here. You don't need to worry or fear what Pharaoh does or doesn't do what Pharaoh says because Pharaoh is the most powerful man in the world. That's how he was keeping them in bondage. And you don't have to fear because I am with you. I am the sin. Present tense that you have everything you need in me. That's what God said. So this is one of these I am statements that Jesus makes. On Easter, here's a little preview. We're going to look at the seven. And that is that, that, that Jesus, because of what he did, confirms who he is. Because if he rose from the dead, he confirms who he is. Now it's interesting that Jesus would use the words I am. I am the bread of life. We're not going to get too much into those titles because we look at that on Easter. But what he, when he declares, I am, and he says, like, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. He is making himself equal to God. In other words, he's saying, I am equal to the God of the burning bush that spoke to Moses. I am. I'm a part of him. Uh, and, and throughout the last sermon, there's several places. Remember, he makes himself equal to God. That's why the Pharisees were, the, the, they were so angry, the religious people were so angry that he would make himself equal to God. So with that in mind, we're going to jump to John 15. We're going to look at what Jesus is saying. This is a, a lengthy text. Um, stay with me. Um, but but it, it, we're, we're going to kind of tie it together of why he says what he said. It'll be up on your screen. Uh, but if you want to turn to John 15 in your Bible, you can. John 15, verse 1, let's turn right there. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he proves so that it will be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the what? In the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, Jesus says. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Apart from Jesus, If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask wherever you wish, what will be done for you. It's not that, again, you can listen to a previous sermon about what Jesus said, ask it of me. It's according to his will. It doesn't mean that we magically ask for material things. We ask in accordance with his will to bring him glory. Verse 8 This is my Father's glory that you bear much, and show yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, and I will remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than to lay one's life down for his friends. You are my friends if you love it. I command. I no longer call you servants, so 
is like a quite a lengthy text here, but you, you can't really break this up. It has to kind of flow together. So, what he's saying is, again, and, and there's a couple of points I'm going to make, but in context, I want you to give the context here just for a moment. The imagery and analogy of Jesus has the true following has some obvious lessons that we're going to look at. But it also spoke to the culture of the day. It's really important that we understand the context of why Jesus would say this of himself. When Jesus is on the true volume, it gets loaded with meaning. Throughout the Old Testament, some of you guys, if you're real biblical scholars, you love to read the Bible. The imagery of the vine is used towards God's people. The book of Isaiah, he talks about God's people being on the vine. In Jeremiah, he talks about God's people being on the vine. In the Old Testament, if you came across the metaphor of the people of God as the vine, that was always Israel or God's people. But every time it's used in the Old Testament, here's something that's used negatively. So the imagery is very important why he's saying it to the disciples. The disciples being used to understand what Jesus was getting at. And there's some obvious lessons, again, about him being the vine, him being the, 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 the trunk of the tree, and we are the, the branches. But there's something else going on here. And every time you would see God's people being looked at as like a vine, it was negative. In the Old Testament, when Israel was the vine, it was always accompanied with a declaration that they were a vine that did not bear fruit. And because of that, God's judgment would come upon them. Now, over and over, if you read the Old Testament, it was the, the, the people of Israel were quite, it was quite a roller coaster life. They would worship him and they would give their life and they would say, We're going to worship you. And, and then they would be disobedient. They would, they would be unfruitful and they would go their own way and do their own thing. And, and God's judgment would come. And a lot of times it was that God's judgment was in the form of them being taken captive. Because they were going to be their own God and they were lousy gods and God was saying, I want to be your God. And that's why he, at the time, there was the time of the prophets and the prophets made these declarations and, and Isaiah and Jeremiah were two of those prophets that said, you guys are an unfruitful vine and God's acts that you're going to chop you because you're bearing no fruit and the God's judgment is coming. And so when they heard this vine's terminology as a Jew, it was almost always pronounced judgment, yet Jesus is flipping the meaning. I am the true vine. So what he's saying is, I'm doing what you cannot do. I'm being what you cannot, you're not able to be. This is, this is the gospel. And even in the Old Testament, you were seeing types and shadows of the gospel, the good news of Jesus that was coming. He was entering into the failure of humanity, the brokenness of humanity, and he said, you cannot be the source of true life for yourself. I'm the true one. Whenever Israel would try to be their own source of life, we don't need God. It was always judgment was coming out. And Jesus said, I'm doing what you cannot do. You've not been able to be faithful in a way that pleases God, is what he's saying. But it's all about the change based on what I'm getting ready to do. Now, understand, he's about to go to the cross. So what I'm about to do 
is the event, the crucifixion, and then the resurrection that would confirm what he did to say, you can't help yourself. You can't be a good enough person. You can't be a good enough God for yourself. You cannot be a true source of life for yourself to get you from here to there. I'm going to do it. That's why I'm the true Steps in, and, and so this imagery of the Old Testament steps in and takes on its own. That we deserve, that we are sinners, and Jesus is saying, You can't do it, I'll do it for you. No matter how hard they work, no matter how hard they try, they and us all of you always fall short of being another son. Try to live a be a little bit of refreshing in there. It could be money. 
that relationship that you feel like you have to have and strive for those things. It can be, it can be entertainment, sports, it can be what we throw ourselves. And all of these things are not bad in and of themselves, but when they replace what Jesus wants to be in us, they, that, that's when really, it gets very dangerous that we begin to go to cheap imitations, temporary fixes. It can refresh me for a little while. It can come for me for, for a little while, but it's not intended to give you Were there giftedness, even spiritual giftedness, validation? That was again. That's a that's a struggle even for a pastor. Is that do you, do you get do you get life out of being validated? Somebody says, you know, pat you on the back, and that's really good. Not that you said encourage me. Thank you for the encouragement. But if I'm looking to you to get that source of life, and I'm looking for that validation, you just become a temporary fix for me to make me feel regret for a moment. But it doesn't give me true life. True life. I have to go to the source of true life. And we go to these cheap imitations for refreshment. It always be so addiction. So it can be anything to go fucking out. Remember in John 13, he watched his disciples speak. 
And he's showing you an example. He said, as my followers, you can serve. My followers can serve. Also, he says that they will know that you're disciples by your love for one another. And he's talking about radical serving and radical love. You will be fruitful with your serving. You will be fruitful if you love each other and forgive each other. You'll be fruitful if you have the fruits of the Spirit and operate in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-discipline. There's the truth of Jesus and His work in you. Now, this is not again that we're that we just trying to walk this perfect life. Because also, through a fruitful life is a repentant life. When you blow it, you ask God, forgive me. But are you fruitful? Sometimes we cut that back and we go, wow, why? 
it seems like a waste, right? It seems like it's why God, if you just let me do this, and you sometimes will cut us back because what he's saying is it's not about you. Pruning helps us to take you from pride because it's always about him. It must be always about him. Our lives should reflect Jesus. If people encounter you and they're more attached to you than they are Jesus, something is seriously wrong. If they can't live without you, there's something wrong. Now, we are to bear one another burdens. We're supposed to love each other, but ultimately, we're supposed to point to the world and their need of him. So he proved that. Sometimes we complain about that burden. Let me do this. You get your identity in something. You get your identity in being gifted. Well, we've never gone this way before. That's the, the, the threat for us. The threat is you make sure that people dependent on you. It'll take you out of being comfortable. Because we think we can be more fruitful doing one thing and he has us doing something different. That's the story of Scripture. It, it's, it's, the, it's the upside down kingdom. Because again, the cross was not the way. Right? But yet it was the greatest victory. You and I, we were in the council of heaven, and God was with us at the time. He said, well, what do you think we should do with Paul? Paul was, Paul had a fruitful ministry, and then all of a sudden he gets kind of to the end. He gets in prison, and he dies in prison. They, they execute him. And we, we would be thinking, doesn't he have, like, at least 20, 30 more good years? God depends on him. God said, He has been truthful. He has obeyed what I called Him to do. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's time for you to be here. And we've been thinking about why. But in God's economy, nothing is wasted. And when you're going through hard seasons, when you're going through those seasons where it seems like there's a lot of questions, more questions and answers, there's a pruning going on and He's making you more of He also proves to do His discipline. It's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. Hebrews 12 talks about when it says when, when God disciplines you, when He's convicting you, when He's pointing something out, when, he, when, he, when He's pushing you through the power of the Holy Spirit, He's saying, no, that's a sinful thing. I don't want you to do it. I want, I, I want to bring you over. I want to correct you because I love you and I have a plan and purpose for you. His correction is, it is purposeful. And it's beautiful to make us more like Jesus. And in Hebrews 12, says that God disciplines you, and it says it's because He loves you. And He wants to call you a child. He says, if He didn't, He would be like an illegitimate child. But because He's involved, and because you feel His conviction, because He corrects you, it proves He loves you. He said, just like earthly parents, that when they bring discipline to a child, it's, it's not enjoyable in the moment. But it does produce life. And Jesus will prove us through discipline because he said, I want to correct that because I want to make you more like my son. I want him to, to make your life more fruitful. And then he gets into talking about this word we made If you remain in me and I knew you, you will 
bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away. Those that branch are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. The word Jesus used the word remain 43 times in this passage. You think he's trying to say something? You know when you're trying to talk to him, maybe it's your kids, and you keep saying the same thing over and over again. Hopefully not your spouse. You say it two or three times, you're really up to four, five, and you imagine 43. Jesus is what he's saying here is very profound. The word remain that he's saying is this. This is the, this is the Greek word. It's to place yourself somewhere. That's to plant. I'm not going anywhere. It's to dwell. It's to live there. It's to not move or leave. Continually be present and endure even to the end. And so what did Jesus say? Remain in me. Remain in me. Your tendency is to veer off. Your tendency is to pull away from the true source of life and go find something else. He said, remain in me. Apart from me, you're going to be fruitless. You're going to die. You're going to wither up and die. You're going to dry up and die. Without me, you cannot have life. It might have the appearance of life. You can, when you fresh cut it off, it might have even the appearance of life, but it begins a death process. And you say, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. I'm not going to go forward to times. That would be a little unknown. Don't detach. Don't go anywhere. It's easy to, to, it's easy to, to break away. That's why we're called to a life of faithfulness. Enduring to the end, even when it's hard, stay connected to Jesus. Because of this, the call is to be fruitful. And you notice this branch. You notice what comes out of them. It's other little branch. And that's what Jesus says. When you're the branch connected to them, all of a sudden, this is the sign. Not this one, because it's the signs of a beautiful life. Life begins to come. The life of Jesus flowing in you and through you. All of a sudden, there's life here. Fruitful life. This is what we're going to do. Sometimes it'll prove, but it's going it's to increase in life. It's going to increase in Guys, this is the temptation for all of us is to disconnect what Israel did. They would disconnect. That's why Jesus is given. They would disconnect. Go their own way. Do their own God. Do their own thing. I can do it without me. And over and over, Jesus just proved Remain in me. Because I want you to bear fruit. I want you to walk with me. I want you to know my heart for you. Because even, he takes it a step further. And he says this. Again, verse 8, this is my father's word that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be mine. Then he says this in verse 9, and I'll just put it up there. Verse 8 is this key passage. Listen to verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. You ever hear somebody go, you know, God loves you? You know, Jesus loves you? And maybe you've heard that, or maybe when you're talking to people, you really want them to know God. But this is a new way to say it. You know that Jesus loves you, um, and, and, and his love for you is as much as, as the Father loves him. As the Father's love for me, Jesus loves you as much as God loves me. Doesn't that blow your mind? But this is the revelation in our heart. We 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 don't even hear it, but do you understand Jesus is saying, the way I love you is the way my Father in heaven perfect love. 
perfect love. God loves me. I love you. That much. I love you the way that the Father loves you. That is a beautiful passage that helps my heart every day when I'm walking with the Lord. In my own tendencies, when I get burnt out, when I get tired, when I get lonely, when I get and I, and I go through it too. We're all people on this journey together, right? That's why one pastor is talking about. He's talking about pastors. It's a pastor conference. He said, you know, you might wear that that separate robe as a pastor. He said, but but don't forget to undo that robe every once in a while and understand that you're a sheep on their feet. My tendency, and this passage helps me. God, thank you. When I'm in here praying and I don't feel like praying, ever been there? Can we be honest for a minute? And you're just, you know, some days you're there and, and it feels like you and God's very close, but sometimes it feels like He's distant. Because He's pruning you, and sometimes He doesn't want you to get comfortable. And I have to just convince myself, God, I know you're here. to each other. 
why we need to buy Christ. That's why we need to gather. Don't don't forsake the the, the dwelling. We're coming together to worship corporately. That's why we come together on Sunday morning. For so many people that say, "Well, I can be I can be a Christian and not go to church." That's not the way God set it up, though. All throughout Scripture, we are supposed to be together, doing life together, connected to the vine, the true vine of Jesus. He would die. He would be risen from the dead. Thank you. 
that we demonstrate and prove it by our going to the cross. Bearing our sin, bearing our shame, bearing our guilt, bearing the punishment that we deserve because we were all sinners and false children. Great week.